0: Welcome, everyone, to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast. Uh, what an amazing what an amazing time we have been having since we last uh, spoke to you on the last pod. There have been four games since then, but we're going to talk about the most recent one, and you know the one that I'm talking about. It is Liverpool versus Manchester City. And to discuss all of this and other extra matters with me, I have the two usual contributors that you would expect. The first one is Mr. Colin Savage, AKA Presswitch Blue, on Twitter. Uh, how are you doing and what have you been up to, Colin?
1: Oh, I've just been busy. Um, Work wise, busy. Um, King of the Kipak deadline uh, this weekend. So that was a long weekend. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, but keeping busy and out of trouble, fortunately. <laughs>
0: Great stuff. Glad to hear that. And uh, also we have from the YouTube channel City Fan TV, we have got Ray. Ray, how are you doing? What have you been
2: up to? Um, Doing very well, Mike. Uh, Doing very well indeed. Thank you. Um, Busy with football. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, In the men's game and the women's game, there's so many matches going on, previews and reviews and watching games. Uh, But I did, mate, I have to be, be honest, I did make what's called a schoolboy error tonight. Big, big faux pas from me. <laughs> uh, we we obviously recording this on Tuesday evening. And to be honest, I would rather have watched Mrs. Brown's boys, a, a repeat of that awful show, uh, but instead that, that had to be cancelled because Man United were in extra time against West Ham. That's one of the most direst uh, football matches I've seen in a long time, devoid of skill and quality. Um, a masochist dream that game was it was just horrible United have just prevailed 1-0 after extra time but apart from that it's been a fantastic time
0: Absolutely Uh, totally agree with you it's very very hard to watch that Um, and they have prevailed as you say but I think uh, I heard you mention uh, earlier Ray that once you have been watching City for a while it's very very difficult to watch other teams and absolutely Uh, That's something that I think all City fans will agree with. Well, guys, we had an enormous game against Liverpool. And uh, going into this game, um, Liverpool... Here's some fun facts for you. Liverpool hadn't scored at home for almost six hours. And uh, City had only conceded two goals in their previous 13 league games. So there were all kinds of... um, predictions from people about what was going to happen. But as uh, hard-bitten Manchester City fans, we know, of course, that we haven't won at Anfield since 2003. And so it was very hard to get overly optimistic because you were thinking about bad refereeing decisions, VAR decisions, and uh, basically cock-ups that would somehow deprive us of Uh, The points that didn't happen, uh, as you know, and what I thought we would just go before we get started uh, and ask you guys for your opinions, um, I think we should just um, go through the lineups on both sides. And we'll start off, of course, with Manchester City. So we had Aderson in goal. Um, Nominally at right back, we had Cancelo. Of course, we had the mid, uh, sorry, the defensive mid uh, pairing of Stones and Diaz, as you would expect. Uh, Zinchenko on the left now the midfield trio was Bernardo Silva Rodri and Gundogan and up front we had uh, Mares, Sterling and uh, at least for a part of this game uh, Philip Foden was as a false uh, nine uh, before he was his position was adjusted a little bit later on but um, let me start off with uh, Colin Savage any surprises any raised eyebrows at all about the Manchester City lineup.
1: Well, uh, yes, but the raised eyebrow was that there was no raised eyebrow because uh-huh. uh, it was a suspiciously normal-looking lineup. When you think about some of the uh, horrors that Pep has inflicted on us at previous trips to Anfield, uh, well, in fact, I mean, one of the comments I made was it looked suspiciously like a normal City lineup. So he must have a trick up his sleeve. You know, Foden's going to play centre-back and Edison's going to be a false nine or something like Diaz is going to be a false nine. But, you know, again, he's gone with Stones and Diaz uh, at the centre of the defence, which has worked so well. Cancelo back, Sinchenko, maybe wouldn't choose to have Sinchenko at left-back under normal circumstances, but he's doing a good job there. A normal midfield and, you know, the false nine up front and something we've been used to the last few games really isn't it and and that was the surprise
0: yeah that's right we're we're well used to uh, pep trying to uh, outthink uh, the opposition and do something unexpected it was a fairly orthodox a uh, guardiola lineup over to ray now there yeah. were some question marks from some city fans about whether or not laporte should have been used instead of zinchenko and there were some question marks about whether Mares should have started <laughs> at all, given his form. What do you think?
2: You can see how confident Pep was. How uh, I mean, he obviously had respect for Liverpool, but he knew how weak they were. How how much they struggled by not having Laporte at left back. If he played Laporte at left back when we played three at the back, like we did in the previous game, for me that was a defence. That would have been a defensive move. That was because Liverpool worried you. That's because he'd have been thinking about it just that little bit too much. And we've seen that, especially in the Champions League, especially going to Anfield. Pep overthinks and we get a little bit defensive. But what he said was, actually, I'm not scared of you. You know, you should be scared of us. I'll play Zinchenko. I'm here to attack. He said he was there for the three points. I said before the game, I'll I'll take a draw. I'll take a nil-nil right now. Uh, Such is the... Fear of going to Anfield and such is the the regular results of getting beaten there. But Pep was confident, and that's why Zinchenko started. Zinchenko offers us so much more in attack than Laporte could, um, but Laporte offers more in defense. So you can see Pep's mindset. Mahrez, I, um I, I, ju- I don't know what it is with Mares. Maybe Pep feels he's, you know, uh, he tosses a coin to see who, who um, which games Maris plays in. I don't know. I mean, for me, he's he doesn't he's not done enough uh, since he's been here. He'll have a couple of good games. Uh, he'll have a game. He'll score a goal or two. Look decent, and then he'll have a couple of poor ones. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, but I, I think I tweeted on uh, after the game the performance of one particular young individual should be ominous for Maris because, for me, that, that display uh, from young Phil Forden is telling me that Mahrez's time at City really, I think, is finished because yes. uh, he doesn't offer as much.
1: The thing I will say for Mahrez's defence in that selection was, what, what you know is that his technical skill is fantastic. And, you know, if we're clearing a ball and you need someone to hang on to that ball, he's the guy. So I'll defend him on that basis.
0: Okay. Well, guys, let's just go through the Liverpool lineup quickly as well. Um, so, the return, you saw the return of uh, Alisson, and you had uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, of course, on the right. And uh, obviously, a big point of contention and excuse uh, for Liverpool fans is that you had Fabinho and Henderson, who would normally be in centre mid. They were in central defence, of course, um, because of their injury issues. Robertson was there and then in the midfield you you had alcantara and you had Wynaldum, and you had jones uh, and then up front you had the normal three of sala Fermino and mané and what um, what was quite interesting and what, and what was quite funny was i was reminded recently uh, by listening to a few other pods and uh, various reviews that i've read that um, nine of those players you know won the champions league so it was a very a strong uh, Liverpool lineup, certainly on paper, but of course, their uh, position was and has been that uh, they suffer greatly from not having Fabinho and Henderson in the uh, centre midfield spots, and that apparently is what they have been talking about since the game. Any comments, Colin, on the Liverpool lineup at all?
1: Well, uh, Ray and I were talking about this before you um, joined us. No, in some ways. You know, you know what you're getting with well, the front three. The front three. Uh, Alexander-Arnold Robertson, full-back. Uh, Alisson recovered from his injury to go in nets. Thank goodness. Fabinho and Henderson, both in the back line. But why? You know, they're, they're top-notch. They're all the defending champions. And yes, they've been suffered with injuries. Uh, um, Matip, who is a bit up and down, he's out. Gomez... I don't think he's quite proven he's out. We know what Van Dijk can do. Yes, he's out. Yes, things are hard for them. I'm not denying that. But why would you put your two best midfield players back in the back four? Because what you you know, you look at that midfield. Reynaldo's not a bad player, but he wants out. He's not interested. Jones looks very useful, young lad. Tiago Alcantara I think he's their Mahrez. I don't think he's their sort of player at all. So you've got a very underwhelming midfield there, and you've got two very good midfielders behind them in defence. You know, surely they've just bought two centre backs. All right. You know, you're not going to throw two two guys, maybe, who've just joined you into the fray, but well, they've got other people. They've got the, uh, the guy Phillips, isn't it? Put one of them in and put Henderson in midfield, particularly for a game against us. Bizarre. I don't understand the lineup at all. What
2: do you think, Ray? I think Clot was scared. That's it. You know, he's scared of what um, he's seen from City in the recent games with our false nine. Um, you know, some people are saying the best thing that has happened to City this season uh, was Aguero and Jesus getting injured because this false nine has really come into its own of late. Uh, and I, yeah, I think he was petrified because he's seen how much they, they move around and he wanted the experience of Fabinho and Henderson at, at centre back. I, I think he was hoping just to. Maybe hold out, nick a goal using his, um, you know, the best uh, attack in the world, apparently, um, and, and 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 squeeze the result out of the game, and and you know maybe get back into the title race. But he was scared. That's it. Nothing else.
0: So, guys, uh, just uh, going into this game, uh, obviously a lot of people thought. Well, I, I wonder if you guys felt the same, but a lot of City fans reporting and uh, not feeling the the usual pressure. And uh, nervous tension that they would normally do because some people said that it was to some extent a free hit. We're already seven. We we were already seven points ahead of them with a, a game in hand. What were your feelings, uh, Colin, going into the game? Were you uh, relaxed about it or were you nervous about it?
1: Uh, well, I can't say I was particularly nervous because I didn't. I got myself in that frame and I didn't expect anything from the game. You know, we're going to Anfield, and uh, you know. Pep always overthinks these things all. And you know, Liverpool, despite the problems they've had, they don't want to lose three on the run. So so my thoughts going into the game were, were not nervous particularly. So, so one part of me thought, yeah, well, I don't expect anything from this game. In fact, a draw would be suit me absolutely beautifully. Another part thought, well, you know, given the relative strength of the two sides, if we don't get anything now, we're never going to get anything. So I was going in, I think, relatively relaxed. I wasn't particularly... Nervous. I mean, they were um, seven points behind us. We had a game in hand. Even if they won, we still have the potential to be seven points ahead when we play our game in hand uh, next week. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I wasn't too worried.
0: How about you, Ray? What yeah. were your feelings going into the game?
2: Similar to Colin. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I had in a nail-nil. I was, I was nervous two, um, two days before the game. I could feel it. Uh, You're just just used to that game against Liverpool. I'm not nervous when we play United. Even last season, we lost three out of four games to them. But I wasn't nervous going into any of them because I just knew we were better. We just didn't turn up on the day. Um, So I wasn't... And I had the butterflies and everything else. uh, But like Colin said, it was the best chance to beat them. It really was our best chance to beat them after so many years. So the, the nerves w- weren't as much, and and you've also got to think. I think what had happened that weekend, and and this is you know, why I, 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 another reason I obviously want I want to win because I want to want to beat be at Anfield. But everything else had fallen in our favour. Everything else went for us this weekend. You know, Leicester drew, Everton and Man United drew. Spurs won, but who cares? They were so far down the table. Everybody under us drew um, in the top six. So it was, you know, and, and, and I'll talk briefly about the women's game later. Everything went for us. Everything had gone for Man City that almost that that weekend. So it made you feel a little bit more positive. But I was still taken uh, a goalless draw um, to maintain that seven point lead with that game in hand. And you know, everybody's saying it's ours to lose, and that I would have I felt, you know, even with a draw, I'd have said the same. It, it would have been ours to lose.
0: Well, guys, let's, uh, let's listen to the pre-match uh, comments of both managers. First of all, Jurgen Klopp. He's referring to the two brand-new centre-backs that they had bought. And he said uh, they have only had four sessions, so they were never going to start. Against City, you have to defend a lot, that's clear. But you have to play football as well. And the two halves, Fabinho and Henderson, are pretty good at that. He said proper defending and brave football is what we want today keep them busy doing things they don't want to do. They're so good in possession. But we love playing against possession teams because it gives you a chance to win the ball from time to time. Hopefully, there will be other moments when we are in possession and can create ourselves. And from Pep, he said, listen, when you analyze the results, it's one thing. When you analyze the performances, it's another. I, I never see the results when I analyze an opponent. I see what they do, how they are. Um, okay, they are below us in the table. The teams have different styles, and we will see who is able to impose theirs. Okay, so guys, we had kickoff, and uh, let's uh, divide the uh, the first half into into parts and um, talk about the first uh, 20 minutes, uh, Colin. I think it was uh, maybe Howard Hawking on, on Twitter who had pointed out just um, how many times a city had conceded the first goal against Liverpool and relatively early also. So uh, what did you think of how the first 20 minutes went uh, in this game?
1: You know, when we go to Anfield, the refrain is always the same. Keep it tight for the first 15, 20 minutes and we never do. Apart from the 0-0, every game that we've played there in the last few seasons, certainly when Klopp has been there and probably when Guardiola has been there, we've conceded, either, I think we've conceded a couple of goals within the first 10 minutes. Uh, and and the rest within the rest within twenty minutes. So for me, it's always been critical to go to Anfield, weather the storm, because that you you know what's going to hit you to a degree. We did that. Uh, it was a bit nerve wracking. We weren't at our best, but the game that Liverpool play is very difficult to play against. They're that that first twenty minutes. They're full of energy. They're chasing everything down. They're you know you don't have a moment on the ball. You've got to be worried about someone coming, players coming at you from all directions. So I was actually quite, we weren't great in that first 20 minutes, but I was quite rela- Well, I was quite relieved that we got through it without conceding or even, I think, near conceding. So, yeah, it wasn't great from a City point of view, but it was that we got to that point relatively kind of in one piece. Uh, Ray,
0: there was a comment on The Guardian that, City, perhaps, maybe even should have had a red card go in their favour because Tiago
2: really went in on Gunduan after three minutes. What did you think? Oh, it was a horrible tackle, horrible tackle, and I actually think the referee wasn't going to give that as a yellow card. Yeah, um, you know, he he didn't look like he was going to. Then he probably saw the the severity of the injury to um, Gunduan. It felt reluctantly he gave that, but it was a horrible tackle. Uh, Thiago, Liverpool's saviour, who, you know, since he's been back, you know, funny, I'll quickly say this, funny thing, early in the season when he played his first first half a game for Liverpool, then he played a game, you had Liverpool fans, and this is serious, they were talking about him as player, uh, the PFA player of the season, they were already talking about him as that. He's had a period out of it injured, now he's back. Liverpool have drawn games against, like, West Brom, they've lost games to Burnley and Brighton and now City you know he's like he's like a black cat he's he's not done them any favors and that but that, that tackle was it was really really poor and, and and it's something that the referees tend not to give early uh, cards unless they have to for no apparent reason except that it's early in the game but it, it, i'm not sure it was worth a red card but it certainly was worth you know, if there was a, an orange card between yellow and red it would have been an orange card for me
0: Hmm. Well, uh, certainly after 20 minutes, um, we were uh, comfortable. The much-vaunted uh, shock and awe that uh, Liverpool used to be able to inflict on their opponents didn't really uh, materialise. They were uh, a bit uh, slow and ponderous, although they did finally get a chance uh, on 24th minute. I wonder if you remember this one, um, Colin. This was um, uh, a header by Sadio Mane.
1: Yeah, um that was the one decent chance they had. Ball came in it was across from the wings wasn't it and um, from, on, from the from the right. Yeah. 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 He's on on the right. Yeah, their signature move. Uh Marley got his head to it. I thought uh, I can't remember which defender w- was marking. I thought the defender did enough to put him off. Uh, Actually so, he,
0: yeah, he just got in front of Cancelo for that header.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I thought Cancelo did enough to put him off. Make maybe he could have done better, but um, it's not as though Canceli was standing there like a training ground, you know, dummy or anything like that. Canceli was challenging him, uh, and he was just uh, Manny was just in front of him. Yeah, that that was the closest they came uh, at that point. Yeah,
0: there was a penalty, of course, um, on about thirty-five minutes, I think, between uh, the chance for Liverpool. And uh, the penalty decision uh, for City didn't seem to be too uh, stressful for us. But um, if you've got anything you want to say about that the money, rid- you mean the Mani
2: dive? The Mani dive. Marnie, the ball got put across to Mani on the left. There was, I think, Concello and Stones there. Concello came into to, Mani. He put his foot next to him. Mani went down. This was outside the box. He got up very quickly because, hey, you don't get a penalty. Outside the box these days with VAR, you can't get a penalty. And maybe in the old days, you know, half a yard or a yard outside the box, the referee would have given a penalty to to Liverpool uh, without question. But with VAR, it's a little bit more difficult. So Marnie got up. Then I think he did get a a nudge, a little kick. He went down, handled the ball, got got up again. And Stones tackled him cleanly, very cleanly, got rid of the ball. And then Marnie dived over Stones' leg. It is extremely frustrating to see this time and time and time again. The referee ended up giving a free kick outside the box. But it's disgusting. It's cheating, uh, blatant. It's not just Sadio Mane, as we'll discuss later on. It's it's just a, a malaise across the Liverpool attackers and the midfielders. They're just happy to dive at any opportunity. Because at the end of the day, the worst that they'll get is a yellow card. And so they look at it and, and, and it's something I've really been... Uh, it's a bugbear of mine that the worst they can get is a yellow card but the best they can get is to get a penalty or possibly even a player sent off and a penalty how unfair is that where the downside is just just a yellow card the upside is a red card for an opponent and possibly and a penalty as well it's it's the imbalance is is, is too great and if we're not going to punish people afterwards if we're not going to have retrospective punishments for diving which we're supposed to have we're supposed to have and we've had one player uh, got a retros- I think got a retrospective punishment after a game, and that was uh, Omar Nias, Everton player in about four seasons. So they're not implementing it, so people will just keep on doing it. Uh, you know it's a combination of things. A, if you are filed and the ref doesn't give it and you stand on your feet, stay on your feet, you might not get your penalty. So I understand why some players go down easily. I really do detest the ones that died just blatantly dive looking for a penalty and looking to possibly get your opponent sent off.
0: Yeah, well, I think that we're going to talk about um, theatrical diving a little bit uh, later on. But um, as I mentioned, um, someone who didn't dive was Raheem Sterling. He seemed to have the uh, Liverpool defence on his side on a stick, particularly uh, Alexander-Arnold is giving him a, a, a torrid time and, of course, won us a
1: penalty. This was probably about 36 minutes in. What do you think about that one? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I don't think anyone can argue it wasn't a penalty. As you say, Sterling, I thought, had a bit of a torrid first 20 minutes, like most of the team. I don't think anyone, apart from maybe the two guys in the centre of defence, had a uh, And Rodri, Rodri, um, had a great start to the game. But um, Sterling certainly grew into it. And, and by the end, he looked like the Sterling we all know and love. But again, mm-hmm. you know, he went past the fullback. He kind of t- turned Fabinho. He left Fabinho kind of facing the wrong way. I think Alexander-Arnold thought about going to play, the, play him but, but pulled his leg back. Uh, Fabinho, I thought, rather cynically, stuck his leg out backwards. And it was interesting that he didn't get booked for that. Uh, so it was a clear penalty. I mean, it, it was a deliberate trip and a clear penalty. I think he should have been booked for that. You know, penalty at Anfield. But of course, you know, we've been there before, haven't we? Some hope that Gundogan was stepping up. But there was just before he took that penalty, there was a TV shot from behind him And the goal looked awfully a long way away. And I suddenly had a (laughs) thinking, that looks a long way away. And this is Anfield and it's City. And uh, sure enough, um, I think it was very kind of him to donate the the match ball to a worthy cause. But Sherry didn't sign it first for he. I've I've got to say,
2: I mean, it's it's a bit odd because I want to compare it to Salah's penalty obviously, I mean, it's not you know, spoiler alert, Salah got a penalty, had a penalty later on. It's interesting to see what Gundogan did. Alisson was messing about. Gundogan had put the ball in the spot and he was waiting. He He's only taken a two or three step run up and Alisson was uh, on the side of the pit, uh, side of the goal, having a drink, wasting time. The referee came. Uh, Look, it's time wasting. He's messing about. The referee, sh- I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm in the mood to book everybody. Book him. That's it. Just give him a yellow card for... For, for gamesmanship uh, and wasting time. Now, I think what Gundogan should have done was pick the ball up. Pick the ball up, walk to the edge of the box and wait for the goalkeeper to go and stand on his line when the goalkeeper stands. Because the referee's dealing with him now to get him to come and stand on his line. And so he's not going to complain that uh, Gunduan's walked off with the ball because he can't see it. And when the goalkeeper's on his line, walk back to the penalty spot, put the ball down, take your run-up, have your shot, rather than... You know, stand there thinking about it, mulling it over, deciding what you're going to do. Um, possibly getting into two minds. I'm a lot a, a, a class player. He scored in a Champions League final at Wembley, so you know, he's got the bottle. He's got the steel for it. He's got the nerve. He's German, but, but yeah, he's German. Um, but I just think, you know, if the if the goal is going to be messing about like that, don't get things messed up in your head. Walk away. Walk away. Come back. When the goal is on his line, and and then compose yourself and just go through your normal routine, rather than wait thirty or forty seconds or whatever it is, uh, two. And he's, you know, I I just don't feel it's thirty five minutes in the game. But you you just cool down, you you know, yeah. um, and you, you
1: just I, I, put that ball down what, and go through. I tell your you routine. what I would if I, I tell you what I would do. I I, I would bring in a law so once the penalty taker is ready, he can take it. If the people want to piss about. You know, on the other side of the pitch having a drink, tough. Yeah. You know, the
2: referee, referee the, have, the penalty have pen a taker afterwards.
1: puts the ball on the spot, signals to the referee, I'm ready. And the referee blows the whistle and he takes it. And whether the keeper's ready or not, I don't care. Well, the thing is,
2: Alice had plenty of time to be on his line. Obviously,
1: mm-hmm. we, we know what it's for and it works.
2: It does work. You know, all these silly antics, Jersey Dudek, if you remember it, going back. I mean, he was in goal the last time we... Uh, a at Anfield in the Champions League final with his wobbly legs. Oh, was that grobler as well? And but but you know these silly things work. Um, just don't let the them get away with it. Um, and, you know, but as I said, walk away, <laughs> come back when you're ready, not when he's ready.
1: Let's yeah. let's go back to the subject of, of yellow cards. Actually, I've just been looking this up. Law twelve and uh, law twelve says um. A player must be cautioned for delaying the restart of play, which um Alison was excessively delaying a restart. And so if he has to talk to him to get him ready, then to me that's excessive. The, yeah. the, the other one is about um a yellow card for um a player who what we're looking for the words, commits any other offense. Uh, yeah, there are different circumstances when a player must be cautioned for sporting behavior, including if a player um Commits a foul or handles the ball to interfere with or stop a promising attack. Now, there's another uh, proviso to that. If he commits any other offence which interferes with or stops a promising attack, except where the referee awards a penalty kick for an offence, which was an attempt to play the ball. Now, that wasn't an attempt to play the ball by Fabinho. So, on two grounds alone, he should have been booked for that. And probably... Alisson should have been booked. Of course, the significance of Fabinho being booked was he was booked later in the game. Yeah.
2: I so again,
1: that. you know, referees just do they, you know, do they choose? Do they know the law? Do they choose not to apply it? Do they not think? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, guys,
0: uh, as uh, is apparent, um, uh, and as you all know, of course, uh, Gundogan skied that one over the. uh the, the the goal and it's it's probably you know following the the ball that was kicked over by uh, Mares you know orbiting the atmosphere they're and both uh, orbiting together now aren't they exactly exactly and uh, of course we've got a, a really bad uh, record against Liverpool for penalties of course in the return feature Kevin De Bruyne or De Bruyne uh, missed one and of course the Mares one as well and uh, I don't know uh, if you. Uh, Picked up on Pep's uh, comment, and uh, some people said it was tongue in cheek. And then there were further reports that he commented on it a second time, where it was not so necessarily tongue in cheek. That it's about time Ederson uh, should be taking penalties. Now, um, the the argument for this is that I think it was one of the city players who came out, came out and made a comment that um, you know, uh, as we all know, often um, goalkeepers. Are very very good, particularly this goalkeeper. Are very very good at striking the ball. Sometimes people think they're the best strikers of the ball. Um, but um, he said that uh, the city player concerned, whose name escapes me just at the moment, uh, said that uh, Ederson is awesome um, with penalties, and he's really the best uh, person to take it. Uh, Colin, is 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 this
1: a? something that you regard as a joke or, or should that be taken in any way seriously <laughs> well given our record of success with penalty takers um i think we should take it seriously mm-hmm. I, and someone did make the point though if edison took took the um uh, penalties we'd have to make sure we had someone back and, and yeah. suggest you know, who who should we keep back um and I said, <laughs> my suggestion was everyone who's missed a penalty uh. <laughs> was, yeah. I'm not sure there'd be room between the goalposts though Yeah Ray can you comment on that I mean um,
0: is, is that feasible at all given the possibility of a quick um, turnaround or have you seen that done certainly I can't in my memory it's never been a, a regular occurrence for a goalkeeper to
2: take Not a in the Premier League in South America there was a, was, it a, was it a Mexican keeper or a Chilean keeper he scored about 50 or 60 goals. He used to take the free kicks. Um, but that's going back a little bit. The name escapes me now. Um, but Pep, look, Pep's been asked the question before. He was asked the question before Christmas. It might have been after KDB missed uh, the penalty against Liverpool or Gundogan missed one. And um, you know, I think he, he just um, you know, fobbed that one off and just laughed about it. Uh, and, and, and they'd asked Edison and Edison said, I don't think he'll let me take one. Because uh, people think that's a little bit disrespectful, more than anything else. But look, Edison's got a rocket of a shot, and any goalkeeper that saves it, well, you know they'll be picking him up and dragging him off the pitch on on a stretcher. So let him um, think about the. Just think about some of the penalties we've missed. The Maris penalty at Anfield. The Sergio Aguero penalty. Uh, sorry, the uh, KDB penalty miss. Uh, 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 in Manchester against Liverpool this Gundogan miss the Aguero penalty miss against Spurs in the Champions League game you know we've missed so many penalties and in fact what's the stat of um, I think uh, the last four penalties that have not been on that have been missed by anybody in the Premier League that's not been on target three of them are cities. So, you know, it's not good enough. Um, you work hard to get your chances um, and we don't get enough penalties, uh, but you work so hard to get them, you've got to be sticking them away. And I, I'm frustrated because the, the goalkeeper never had to make a save. And that's the frustration. I've always said, if you hit a penalty on target, even if it's the worst worst struck penalty in the world, if the goalie goes the wrong way, you score a goal. If you hit it off target there's 100% chance that you won't score a goal. So at least the minimum a professional footballer should be doing is getting it on target. And some some wag said, why don't, you know, next time when when, when crowds are there, just get some, some fat 50-year-old to come out the out the crowd, you know, drunk as anything, and let him take the penalty because he's got more chance of scoring than some of our guys.
0: Uh, gone are the days, of course, of uh, Mario Balotelli and Yaya Turi. These guys... Uh, had ice in their veins, never missed one that I can remember. But um, we could probably go back even further, calling them. Um, someone Franny quoted Lynch. the statistic that Franny Lee scored fifteen penalties in one season. Is that true?
1: Thirteen, I think it was. Thirteen, off the top of my head. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. Well, there it was. And um, I think actually um, between then and half time, uh, Liverpool actually um, ha- appealed unsuccessfully for a penalty. I think uh, Salah took a shot and it hit Rodri on the arm. Yeah. But it was, out, it was outside the area anyway, so there was no VAR. We'll come on to talk about um, the broadcasters and how they selectively choose to show uh, VAR um, indications on the screen later. But obviously, uh, that didn't work for them. Um, so uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I sort of thought that from the penalty miss, To the end of the first half, I sort of thought Ray that Liverpool were getting on top. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I mean,
2: I I mean, I thought throughout most of the first half, Liverpool were on top. I actually thought we were okay for the first ten minutes of the game, uh, where we had most of the ball. We didn't do a lot with it, but they were chasing it, trying to get it back, and we were quite comfortably beating their press. But for most of the first half, you know, um, yeah, that the penalty missed must have hurt, um, and as a fan. I was worried and nervous because we've seen it before. When you don't take your chances, the other team come back and hurt you. But even though the Liverpool had more possession, uh, I think generally we held out quite well. They weren't creating lots, uh, lots of chances. They weren't creating anything really uh, of, of any serious note. So, you know, all, you know, you're know, as I said, you're always worried when the other team's got most of the possession and, and they're in your half but they weren't create anything so it, you know it wasn't too bad
0: mhm well uh guys uh that brings us uh, to the, the halftime whistle uh, and unless you guys have got anything else to say about um events in the first half we'll move into the second half because that's where all the action uh really occurred and uh of course at halftime we were expecting that to continue in probably the same vein and it to be a very very tight cagey affair didn't really uh, turn out like that. So let's talk about um, the opening of the second half and uh, go over to Colin for what he thought and uh, if any tactical changes uh, caught the eye.
1: Uh, yeah, way. I think um, uh, it was quite obvious that Pep was going to change things, and that's one of the great things. You know, we went in at half time nil-nil, which we survived a point, a little bit of a battering. We hadn't been probably at our best. Uh, which, which you wouldn't really expect the first half at Anfield. So, so we'd gone in for the first time. Uh, well, not for the first time because we've had a 0-0 there before. So, uh, But I, I felt quite confident that Pep would change things. Uh, and we, we played a um, fairly traditional 4-3-3, which matched Liverpool's 4-3-3 in the first half. When we came out, um, Bernardo was much further forward. and almost uh, Foden, dropped ba- I think, dropped back into midfield. And also it was quite obvious that the two wingers... Uh, the two Y players, Sterling and Mahrez, were held back a little bit. So we probably went to something closer to a 4
2: 4
1: 2, whatever you want to. But, you know, as ever with Pep, it's always so flexible, isn't it? So, so fluid. So, you know, at one point, Bernardo is up on the, you know, as one of the two forwards, and then he's back helping out uh, Rodri. And, um, but, but yeah, we definitely came out with a plan. Um, and, um, Foden, I think, uh, again moved a little bit wider. Um, So yeah, it was. uh, We were doing really well, Um, uh, uh, and I think we 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 were much more on the front foot that second half than we had been in the first half.
0: And of course, uh, there were uh, fireworks as as this was happening. As we were beginning to (laughs) notice the changes, fireworks going off outside the ground. I don't know if this is an attempt by. uh, you know, Liverpool supporters outside the ground to have some kind of effect on the game. If that was the intention, it certainly didn't work. Uh, but I, I thought to myself immediately that that started to happen. Well, there's Klopp's excuse if anything goes wrong <laughs> to add to his long grass and the wind and and everything else. Uh, Ray, what did you think about the tactical tweak and uh, and its effect?
2: Well, it was interesting to see uh, at one point Bernardo uh, up front as as part of a two. Um, and and then I, I think it kind of, I think it melted away uh, once we um, we started to take control of the game, it, 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 you know, and we moved things around and uh, made a sub and moved things around. And, and, and I think, you know, once we were on top, um, we, we you know, drilled on our, our, our advantage. So that little thing, I mean, we had to do something because, you know, we weren't really uh, in the game um, in that first half. You know, we had the opportunity, which we squandered, of course, but we weren't really getting anything. So we had to, we had to make changes and a little tweak. I think Klopp mentioned it after the game as well. You know, <laughs> any excuse, but a little tweak and it helped us. Obviously, very very quickly, we got um, we got our first goal.
0: Yeah, and uh, that was it, it. It happened really quickly. Forty uh, ninth minute, so four minutes after the restart. Uh, Ilke Gundawan makes amends for that missed uh, penalty. Talk to, to us a, a, a little bit about that, Colin.
1: Yeah, well, I say we were very much on the front foot and um, the the ball came in, um, I think, if I remember it rightly. Um, it was Raheem Alison, Sterling, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Was... if I remember it rightly, um, Alisson pushed, Foden uh, came in from the left, putting up quite a powerful shot which Allison parried and um, I think Alexander Arnold was a bit slow to react and Gundogan pounced and uh, put the ball into the roof of the net which um wish he'd done it if you'd done that in the first place when he had the penalty um, that would have made, put us 2-0 up but uh, it, you know it, it, it was quite funny because I then thought we were going to win because usually after something like the penalty miss uh, I, I felt Liverpool might have got on top but once that went in, and I could see we were much more on the front foot. We'd gone in nil nil. We were one nil up. Uh, we scored from open play. I, I, I felt a lot more confident. Yeah, Ray. In in in
0: my memory, I think it was Raheem Sterling yeah. who, oh, what, what who beat was Alexander past... Arnold uh, to, yeah, to once get again beat
2: through to Adam, I think for, uh, yeah, he he once again took uh, Alexander Arnold on, beat him. Um he actually, if, if I remember this time, I mean it's something I've complained about Sterling for a long time, is that far too often he uh you see him knock the ball past the defender and run. And I said that takes no skill. If if you try and deceive if you drop your shoulder one way or the other, uh you, you do a little move um and, and trick the guy and then beat him for pace, he'll never catch you. But if you just it doesn't really work um, you know, against someone with a bit of nails, We've seen people like uh, wan uh, nullify him. We saw in the game against Villa, Target, just put his leg on the floor like a cricketer and, and and the ball hit his leg and Target ran off with the ball. Um, But this time Sterling was actually dribbling. He was actually dropping his shoulder, taking people on and he took, uh, I think, Alexander on again. Um, And it was interesting. I think Foden had passed him the ball uh, and then just wandered into the box and uh, whoever was uh, on the edge of Liverpool's box, didn't uh, go with him. So when in passed it to Foden, uh, Foden was free to have a shot, but Foden has such quick feet and that allowed him to have that shot. So as soon as he got the ball, he had a shot. Alistair made a good save, but he just pushed it um, across the goal and uh, as Colin said, Gundogan was there to hit it right into the roof of the net. I mean, it's you're it's like he, he, a bit worried because he's hitting them quite high. He's, every every shot he has is in the roof of the net and it doesn't take much uh, to get your angles wrong and it for it to go over, but uh, thankfully it went in.
1: It was a bit reminiscent of that goal we scored against United, wasn't it, where De Gea, De Gea De, um, didn't parry it far enough. Was it us? Uh, I can't remember.
0: Yeah, and uh, the, uh, this is uh, I, I, it was precisely at this point I think that Foden started to become a little bit uh, more prominent uh, because um, just a few minutes later um, he burst on the left and put across a cross. A, 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 a cross that uh, just um yeah. missed sterling Stirling, yeah. Sterling didn't quite get to but um you're you're beginning to feel that they're coming alive at this point, Ray.
2: Oh yeah, we were we were getting on top and as as Colin said, once we'd got that goal it was like the the feeling was we were gonna I, I thought we were gonna overrun them because they hadn't threatened. You know, they really weren't threatening. Um Zinchenko had most of the time salary in his back pocket. Um and you know, when he goes to the dry cleaners, he'll have to empty his pockets to take Salah out. I mean, it was it was that uh, that bad for uh, for Mohamed Salah. And we were, as I said, well on top. and causing, you know, with a little bit of trickery, causing trouble. Um, and I just thought, yeah, you know, we, we'll, we're we going to get a second here any minute. We're going to have the chances. We're having the chances. We're going to get a second and we're going to, uh, you know, go on to a comfortable win. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Colin Savage, um, it was more or less at this point that I started to... Um, keep an eye on Zinchenko quite carefully and he was impressing me no end I mean this is not the Zinchenko that I I remember so well from um, seasons in the past where he would basically make a certain amount of progress up the wing and then uh, track back and and hit a a square pass or a backwards pass and of course we all remember his um, defensive lapses as well but um, what's come over Zinchenko Colin?
1: Uh, you've got to admire the kid, haven't you? Because, uh, you know, two or three times he could have been sold. He could have walked away, but he's fought for his place. Um, he's not playing in his natural position. He's an attacking midfielder. Uh, and in some ways, that probably works to his, his advantage in Pep because Pep wants players who can play passes. Um, rather. And, um, you know, as an attacking midfield player, you'd expect him to be able to, to play passes. Uh, but, you know, he gets his head down, doesn't he? And he, he's learning he tries to learn, and, and um, you know he makes mistakes, but hopefully re- he learns from them. And you can't, you know, uh, you can't really fault the kid at all, can you? Um, He's um, his desire, his drive, his passion is just incredible.
0: It is indeed, and um, despite all the city being in the, in the ascendancy, of course, Liverpool did uh, remind us of the threat that they uh, maintain. Uh, the new kid on the block, Jones. He shot over from 30 yards on 55 minutes, and then three minutes later, the, he took another shot. It was just just wide, um, and uh, he he was quite impressive uh, for Liverpool. But um, of course, uh, in fairly short order, comes the penalty to Liverpool, and I I I, re- I really have to to say something about this, guys. I mean, it's every time with Salah. Now, you can dispute whether it was a penalty or not, but every time someone touches that this guy, Ray, he has his signature move, which the referees don't seem to notice. And what he will do, I've seen this again and again and again, and someone rather helpfully put um, a video montage on Twitter. So he will arch his back... Backwards and throw his arms behind his head, um, and every single time uh, they fall for it. And I certainly thought that Diaz hardly touched him. What was your opinion
2: on this? It's, it's interesting. Diaz, you know, look, Diaz made a mistake. Uh, some people said he should have just, you know, the ball was basically it was a harmless ball hit over the top. Um, people said he should have just leathered it clear. Well, that's not how City do things under Pep. And he tried to flick it, I think, to Zinchenko. And he didn't get a proper connection. And, and it hits, I think, Salah probably in his midriff. And he got into the box. Now, um, um, Diaz pulled at his arm. It wasn't much, you know. Um, it certainly wasn't enough to go down. It, and it certainly wasn't enough, in my opinion, to impede Salah. It, it didn't do anything. Because very quickly, um, he let go. Because he knew he was going to you know, give a penalty otherwise. Uh, and Salah... Yeah, you're right. It's just another obvious dive. As I said um, earlier on with the Mani one, it's looking to win a penalty. It's looking to potentially get your opponent sent off. And I was watching the, the highlights to the, uh, tonight before the pod. Salah knocks the ball ahead of him and Rodri's, uh sorry, um, Diaz is on his arm just very slightly. And then he's letting go. And I think Salah has a glance to see where John Stones is. John Stones is on the cover and this is, John Stones is the reason that uh, Diaz doesn't get sent off because he's in the box denying a a goal scoring opportunity uh, if it wasn't for the fact that John Stones was there. And I think Mohamed Salah uh, very quickly realised he wasn't going to get the, he wasn't going to get a good shot in because Stones was there to block him. And that split second and Salah's already got in his mind, die when you get a chance and, you know, and, and he did that dive. And I'm a bit frustrated with Diaz because generally it's, if you touch somebody in the box they, they, and they go down, you'll get a penalty against you, especially with VAR. Give Stones the chance to block him or give uh, Edison the chance to save. Because, he, you know, if, if Stones was a couple of meters further away, Diaz gets sent off and they have a penalty. What's the point? And, and then you go on to lose the game from a, I thought a comfortable position, so I, I don't understand. I understand. I don't understand why they do it, but I do understand why they do it because it's it's a like a, a knee jerk instinctive reaction to grab somebody who wants to go past you. But they've got to learn not to do it. Um, but once again, Salah's done this dive. It's blatant. The referee can. I don't see why the referee can't give the penalty and still give a yellow card for a, a, an over the top dive. Um, but he'll keep getting away with it. We've. You know, we've seen at least half a dozen, seven or eight, of these uh, blatant dives, and he got away with almost every single one of them. And he'll keep getting I, away with it until uh, I, a, a referee grows a pair and actually does something.
0: I, 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 I agree with your assessment, Colin. But it's the problem with—I have a problem with the verbs on every match report. You read that Diaz uh, hold back. Hold back, or or dragged him
1: back, or yep. pulled him back. There was nothing like what happened. He never actually got hold of it. Let's again, let's go back to law twelve. Let's read the actual words. A direct free kick is awarded if a player commits any of the following offences: a handball offence for a goalkeeper within the penalty area, holds an opponent, impedes an opponent with contact. Now, uh, there's another bites and spits or throws an object at the ball, opponent. Blah blah blah. But let's look at those two. Holds an opponent. Did he hold him? He, he put his yeah. He put his arm out. Yes, no doubt about that. I'm not denying that. Did he actually get hold of his shirt, his arm at any one point? No. Did he impede him? No, because he was behind him. Um, but but Salah, you know, if, if he held him, if he held his arm, his arm would have been straight back behind his back. If you remember when um, Johnny Evans got sent off in the six-one, when he pulled Balotelli back, Balotelli's arm was behind him. You know, he pulled Balotelli back. You could see, but Salah's arms are like gone up, like he's been shot. You know, so he, I, yes, he was. Diaz was a bit negligent in that situation, but I, I don't think he he didn't hold him and he didn't impede him. Simple as that.
0: I love your your little comment on Twitter, Colin, and then you said that uh, people are, are searching for someone on the grassy knoll um, for the way that uh, Salah went down there. Like, <laughs> well, was he, that, like I
1: don't think shot. that was mine, was it? I oh, was so it, not it not yours? I'm, I'm giving it, was you was false it, credit. I then, I, you know, I will happily claim credit for the ones I do.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was something that caught my eye. But um, yeah, well, um, despite how the uh, the penalty was gained, array, uh, that's
2: how you take a penalty, isn't it? Well, Edison went straight into the goal. Didn't no norm- histrionics, no messing about. Salah took a long run up, maybe a little bit longer than I'd like. Um, and here's the funny thing. We know because, every team does this. They do the research on the players. Salah hits them to the right of the goalkeeper. Four out of the last penalties were on the right. So why Edison dive, was diving to the left? I have no idea. If he dives to the right, he has a chance. Um, so th- that surprised me, but, but Salah takes this run up. Uh, he come and Edison dives just fractionally before Salah hits it. And it's just simple. Goal has uh, gone the wrong way. The ball's on target it it's a good penalty um and maybe some of our players need to look at that and and you know and do change slightly because i think Gundogan's missed two penalties now in recent times um i don't know i, I as i said you know, let the goalkeeper get ready then you get ready
0: and uh, guys who were watching the game of course will uh, will know what it really looks like um, for someone to be properly pulled back on the 70th minute when Fabinho did that to uh, Phil Foden. But at this point, guys, sort of like, I don't know what you were thinking, but um, uh, 1-1, I was thinking, okay, we can take that. We can take that. City had other ideas and uh, things started to happen um, when we thought, uh, Re- uh, Colin, that uh, John Stones had added another to his increasing tally, but it wasn't to be, was it?
1: No, unfortunately, and I think we were we were um, p- partly a fault for that ourselves because we went to take the free kick. The players ran, and then the ball was kind of played backwards to um, Foden, wasn't it? Who then mm. played the ball in? But the players are already the attacking players, our players, had already run, and then they kind of tried to come back. and the Stones looked to be just offside, but we didn't get a VAR replay. Whether they thought it was fairly, you know, it wasn't. So obvious as to be caught by the naked eye, but I mean, the assistants are very good, generally. The assistant pulled his foot, yeah. This is,
0: this is a complaint, there's not a lot
1: in it, that, right? But this is the complaint that
0: I have, uh, Ray. Apparently, VAR did, um, I, I'm reading, did confirm that Stones was offside, but weren't shown anything. Yeah, um, and I still haven't TV. seen any
2: lines drawn across the pitch. And oh, this yeah. a funny old thing, some of the, the you know, maybe. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. Maybe it's just coincidental. But some of the decisions that Liverpool get in their favour, they decided upon very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. I mean, that was decided so quickly um, and in their favour. And we never, I still haven't, as I said, two days later, still haven't seen any lines well, drawn. It was
1: it last season? Was it last season or the season before when uh, VAO mysteriously wasn't working? where there were a number of controversial decisions?
2: Absolutely, it, it, it's uh, you know. And people say it's a cheat charter. It, it is, you know. Shows the lines. That's it. Just shows the lines. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly right, guys. And um, that was. Uh, but you knew pretty- you knew it was coming. I mean, all right, we were one all, and you know, I suppose we'd all settle for a draw. But you you kind of got the feeling mm-hmm. that. Uh, Liverpool were on the back foot. We were very much on the front foot. You, you did feel
0: like that. And uh, uh, one thing that um, that I noticed, and it, it was the first, you know, that was really the first time I'd noticed Riyad Mahrez when he got substitute for substituted for Gaby Um Ray, that I don't know about you, but I think that's got to be one of the most anonymous performances I've seen. I, I literally didn't even wasn't even you know really aware of Riyad Mahrez right up until the point where he got substituted. and uh, Did you feel the same?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was frustrated for Phil Foden because he was basically playing down the middle. I don't see Phil Foden as a false nine down the middle. I see Phil Foden on the left or on the right. He makes a difference. now dude, I mentioned that, that game against Villa, and I've mentioned it a few times where there was a, a moment where... Riyad Mahrez was, uh, sorry, Still, I was talking about Sterling at the time, where Sterling was, uh, just knocks the ball past somebody and, and runs and gets blocked. But when you see Foden, Foden, you notice he's got skill. He's got trickery and he's got um, pace. People don't realise actually how quick he is. And Jimmy Carragher mentioned that he's been having sprint training, apparently. Um, and, you know, I mean, he's going to these lengths to get better and faster. The the gains are probably marginal. But if you can get 2% faster from sprint training, do it. You know, I I ask myself what other players are doing. Mahrez, okay, I don't think he's 30 years old or 29 years old. He's not going to get faster. But he far too often makes it obvious what he's going to do. Far too often I think he has a shot when you know it's going to be blocked. And he was pretty anonymous in that game. And you're having Sterling... Sorry, um and down the middle. When he's so effective on the wing, so effective, you you half neutralizing him for what to let Maris play on the on the right I, I, I oh, and on the left. I just don't get it.
0: And I think um, the evidence of what Ray's saying, uh, Colin, uh, came very very quickly because it was no no after the Stones um, uh, incident. It was not much more than a minute and a half, possibly two minutes, and. Uh, this bizarre pass out from Alisson went straight to Foden and he went straight for the straight for jugular, didn't he?
1: Well, um, they had a warning, hadn't they? Because, um, you know, it was always said with Liverpool, they tire. And um, it was our turn to put them under pressure. And I think Fabinho had already passed the ball. to uh, No, Alisson had already got caught, nearly got caught uh, with the ball. Uh, and, and they only just escaped that by the skin of the teeth at that point. And then Fabinho had the ball and passed it back to him, and uh, he just played it straight out to Foden on the right. Um, and we were looking so much better after, uh, you know, I don't want to have a go at Maras, but you know, we were we were looking so much better, weren't we, when um, Pep made that substitution and, and uh, Foden uh, was in his a better position. And um, for, uh, yeah, say Foden just um, brought the ball in. <laughs>
0: He made monkeys out of Henderson and Robertson. Um, yeah, yeah. It, the, was, it was stiff for the throat.
1: Absolutely tied them in knots, didn't he? And at, at one point, I was thinking, he's left it too late. He's left it too late. And then just at the, you know, almost like the last minute, you think the ball's going to go out uh, or they're going to stop him. He played the ball to Gundogan, um, who just, again, rifled home. Uh, yeah. And at that point, I, you know, we were going to win.
2: Yeah. What did you think, Ray?
1: Uh,
2: absolutely. Um, you know, Alison panicked. Because he'd, he'd made that big mistake on the edge of his box where he nearly lost the ball, just managed to hit it sideways, uh, and then it was cleared. But from the clearance, it came back immediately. It went back into midfield. Zinchenko knocked it forward uh, immediately, at the first time pass, uh, and, and then he got Lupo got it back, and uh, uh, I think Colin said, "Fabinho pass it to Allison," and he just cleared it. He was panicking. He was probably it was on his mind because it was probably only less than ten seconds previously that he'd had that. Um, dodgy moment on the edge of his box. And he just gave it to Fordham. And what I mean, Fordham was already ahead of uh, uh, Robertson, and he was never going to catch him. But he, what I liked was he brushed Henderson aside. You know, he he showed tenacity, pace, strength. You know, for a little kid like that, he showed a lot of strength. And um, Henderson tried to lean on him. You know, uh, basically to put the pressure on him without giving a penalty. And in the end, he had to give up because uh, Fordham was just too strong for him. I I absolutely loved that. Uh, And then, as Colin said, he he passed it to Gundaman, who once again hit into the roof of the net off the crossbar. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Making uh, our hearts uh, miss a beat. You know,
1: (laughs) but look. He he surely couldn't put it over. Couldn't put it over.
2: No, if Sterling could. Um, but that's another story. But the way the way he ran away after scoring, like Colin said, you knew you were going to win then. You know, the delight, that was his ninth league goal since the 15th of December, if I'm right. Um, it was an awesome, uh, He's he's been on an awesome run. He's been a fabulous player for the last two months and he thoroughly deserved that second goal.
0: Three minutes later, Colin, Alisson does it again. It's absolutely bizarre. This time... The lucky recipient was Bernardo Silva that he passed straight to. And um uh one of the tweets uh, I loved was uh, this meme. You'll remember, of course, uh, Oprah Winfrey when she was giving out um cars to people. And I, I think that she made a big show of you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. And, of course, someone was onto that like a shot when City scored because this time it was – the meme of Ofra going, you get a goal, and you get a goal, and you get a goal. <laughs> Alisson passed it straight well, to Bernardo Silva. Was,
1: was wonderful. He was clearly completely rattled at that point, and his head had gone. I mean, Alisson's, not Bernardo's. And, and that was even more bizarre, because at least with the Foden one, Foden was, what, about 20, 20, 25 yards out? I don't know. Bernardo was stood in front of him, almost virtually. No, but you know again, this came from pressure. they were tiring uh, and we weren't uh, and we were putting them under pressure. They could barely get the ball away from their area, but it's still completely inexplicable what Alisson did at that point, having done it a few minutes earlier, you think he might be a little more kind of careful about what he did with the ball well, but, well, but they, but they, they, I, was in the, I, was in the area wasn't it
0: but um, i i I would actually put blame on the on the Liverpool. Defenders, Ray, because I mean, uh, there—he's uh, obviously not Ederson, Allison. No matter how much <laughs> he thinks he is, no matter how much people call him Brazil's number one, he hasn't got the footwork skills of Ederson. And having seen what happened, and as Colin said, there was a scare before uh, the, the the second goal, and then he does it again. They're, they're passing it back to him, and this guy's know, head's
2: I don't know I mean you you'd like to think your, your players are professional enough and composed enough to put it behind them but obviously he he wasn't uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cry about it. It's, you know if they made the mistake you know let, let them but it was it was a disastrous I don't know why he was passing it out. Uh, along the touch, uh, you know, the goal line to the corner flag. Anyway, what's the point of that? And as you say, he hit it straight to Bernardo Silva. Bernardo brought it into the.
1: We we closed off all the avenues, hadn't we, at that point? Yeah. So why he
2: was doing it, I just I have no idea. Um, uh, and, but then Bernardo came close to the keeper, defender came, Alisson came, and it was just a delicious little chip. Yeah, I mean, he's got to get a lot of credit for that, doesn't he? It was, it was wonderful, as good as you want. And even, even Raheem Sterling, one yard out, couldn't miss. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd flashbacks of the game against Lyon when he missed from about two yards out, and another game a few season uh, from the Centurion season when he missed from about two yards out. But this was on but, his head; he couldn't miss, and my, uh, he felt it. Yeah, I
1: was going to say, my fear was um, that he got himself offside when. But when Bernardo crossed that ball, and, yeah. and and he didn't like the one of the cup final, the Watford cup final, he didn't actually need to to play it, but he did actually, yeah. I yeah. think. Uh, but, but, but I thought it's good. Uh, offside. Uh, but but,
0: but, but it, it beautiful uh, intelligence, I think, from Bernardo Silva. And of course, guys, uh, we're so grateful for the fact that he really has come into form. Now, this little axis was beginning to form: um, Bernardo Silva and Foden and uh, Gundogan. And these guys are playing lovely little, uh, triangles out there. Liverpool didn't know what hit them. And of course, they can complain all they want and put the blame on Alison. I think I posted up a tweet that, um, that, that said after that, Alison will be in the witness protection program
2: along with Loris Carius because well, they. But, but they, here's the craziness of Liverpool. They, the fans, when they, and this is a craziness in football because, if, you know, in, in the last week, we've had some terrible incidents uh, with fans abusing uh, referees. Mike Dean's had some death threats, crazy stuff. Um, Lauren James has had some horrible abuse and it's just happening again and again. And Liverpool fans, some of them, are very guilty of this. When Carrius in the Champions League final, they never forgive him. And, but this time they've turned around and, you know, they're all on Allison's side it's it's weird, the hypocrisy, um, you know, uh, and how quickly they'll turn. But, hey, if Alisson does it again next game, you'll see them be, they'll be on his back and, be, you know, social media will be awash with abusive comments.
1: I think it the funniest be. thing was, sorry, um, Martin Tyler, desperate to make excuses <laughs> and claiming that Alisson's feet were cold. Oh, that was Klopp, they, wasn't it? It was Klopp. It was Klopp, actually, yeah. Well, well yeah. no, no. Um, um, uh, Tyler said some. I'm sure Tyler said something about him being cold. <laughs> Maybe that's what gave Klopp the the ammunition the idea, for that. Yeah, yeah,
0: the, yeah. The idea for the cold feet comment uh, afterwards. But hey, guys, we're talking about the best goalkeeper in the world here, so we better, you know, just keep it, keep the volume down. <laughs> I'd say what was
2: re- really funny earlier in the day or the day before, I was um, chatting with a Liverpool friend of mine, and he, you know, obviously Liverpool fans, every single one of their players is the best player. In the world of I know, position, I know. Oh, sure. uh, and he was talking about Alisson being the best goalkeeper in the world. Uh, you know, I, I respectfully told him that I, I wasn't so sure. And he said, "Well, name me five <laughs> best goalkeepers than Allison." I said, "I said, look, he's in the top five. I just wouldn't put him necessarily at number one. And I don't watch enough football these days to to, to tell you who uh, I, I put up there. But you know, I've seen plenty of his mistakes." Uh, and then he then he goes and throws this performance in. So I feel extremely vindicated.
1: Yeah, I've a, lot, of... a lot of Liverpool fans were saying, "Oh, you yeah, know, Allison's the best goalkeeper in the world. It's not even the best goalkeeper in Brazil. That that guy was down the other end."
0: I know exactly. I've listened to a few Liverpool uh, pods uh, in my time since the game, and um, they're basically the, the, if it hadn't been for for those two. Diabolical howlers! It, it, it was. It should have been one-one. They said. Of course, we know how ridiculous that was. And then and, and six minutes later, of course, comes I think the moment that really capped this performance, guys. What a goal by Phil Foden! I mean, my goodness, you've never seen a ball hit with such power with such little backlift, Colin.
1: Oh, incredible! Um, wasn't it a bit reminiscent of some of the goals that Sergio scored against them? Yeah. You know, uh, and, you know, with 3-1 up, their heads have gone. Uh, And and to show that sort of energy and initiative, you know, late in the game. But again, you know, he just took the ball on. And uh, again, you can look at Alisson and say, he does that thing that goalkeepers do. You know, when you look in slow motion, they kind of go to the knees and and they're leaning back. And I don't know why they do that. Whether it's just, you know, you, you see it slowly and it looks very different. But the power of the shot was just awesome. Um, but I, I still wonder why why he did that. I, I don't think he was getting it in, in any way shape or form, but yeah, I, and that was just the cherry on the icing on the you know on the on the cake, on the hundreds of thousands on the cake. I, I and mean, it was brilliant.
0: Ray, what was most gratifying about that for me anyway was the way that he just absolutely made a monkey's uncle out of Robertson with a twist of the hips.
2: Absolutely. Robertson
0: going the other way. And, uh, and but, he,
2: he didn't hesitate. Well, he, he he it was a no-look shot. Uh, you know, I, I've complained about some of our players doing that. I think Mahrez in a, a, a game a few games ago, Sterling as well, where they don't look where the keeper is. But Faldin had already made his mind of what he was going to do. He he did that the little shimmy, got not even half a yard, and he hit it so quickly. He, you know, it was like he, he's just come to the side of Robertson, and bang, he's hit it. And Alison, I think he was just getting out of the way. You know, they're already losing the game. Why get hurt? Why, you know, why break your wrist? Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was. It was just as Colin says. It's it's weird why keepers do that. They drop to the knees and, mm. and let it go above them. And it reminds me of that. I mean, I hate to say this, guys, but I will say it. It Reminds me of the the, Dave, the when um, the Ryan Giggs goal past David Seaman. You know, which they, they said is the best FA Cup goal of all time. And I turn around and say, yeah, it was a great dribble. It's a good shot. But if David Seaman stands up, he saves that. So, you're know, you, you, you you're crediting it as the best FA Cup goal ever uh, for a goalkeeper making a, a howler. Um, but it was, it was a cracking goal. The thing is, some people are now saying, oh, Fordham's come of age. No, 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 no. We knew Fordham was uh, had come of age a while ago. Um, and he was just getting. The, it was just that consistency. The last couple of games hasn't been his uh, his best. But it, you know, and, and the way Pep's brought him along, and it's interesting. We we, I, I, we a lot of us have talked this season, City fans, and we want to see more afforden. He played a lot of Champions League games, but he wasn't starting games in the league. And he'd start a game and then get left on the bench. And we said, what you know, and start a game and play well, and you say, why is he getting left on the bench? You know, he should be starting and all that. And it's when you see a performance like that then you stop questioning you know you stop questioning pep it's the pundits who have been questioning pep you know and it's, it's the ones who are saying uh, you know that Fordham should leave we should go for um, you know was it um, was um it was in was it henry winter uh, today who said um, you know people have been uh, city he apparently accused city fans of um, you know, saying that uh, um, Foden should go and get some game time elsewhere. City fans have never said that. City fans have always said, "You know, Pep will bring him through at the right uh, speed and give him the right amount of game time and everything else." And it's starting to flourish. You know, and it reminds us of was it Neil Custer said when um, Foden signed a six-year contract a couple of years ago that he's he's consigned himself to six years on the substitutes bench. And every yeah, time yeah. Foden does some uh, shows us some magic. That, that tweet gets wheeled out uh, to rub uh, Neil Custis' uh, nose in nose in it again. But we we are City fans. We see it week in week out. We know the talent that's there. We know it, it's incredible. Uh, and, you, and and this week actually, the last few days, City have been wheeling out old videos showing and pictures of of uh, Foden uh, as a ball boy um, in a game six or seven years ago. They showed a video when he was a Mascot with Sunji Hai uh, and and other stuff and and, and talking about because we know he's here Um, and and I I quickly actually put a cheeky little tweet out yesterday and I I said uh, City look like they're they're going for Haaland this summer and getting Messi and when, when asked about this Pep said yeah you know we've got the best winger in the world and we need Messi to balance it up on the other side (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, uh, just a minute after that was one of, I thought, two very funny moments in the game. Uh, uh, Alexander-Arnold left, a, left a, uh, a bit of one on Ederson and the two squared up. And it was so funny because you've got this huge, hulking Ederson standing over Alexander-Arnold and one uh, uh, person on Twitter saying, oh, my gosh, Ederson is about to fold up Alexander-Arnold like a paper airplane. Um Luckily, uh, Ederson kept his cool, but that was that would have been a mismatch to end all mismatches. The other one I think that we didn't mention um, was the wall when City made the wall, and of course, <laughs> you you had Zinchenko Brilliant, lying yeah. behind it, and uh, it was so funny because it, obviously it was quite a clever thing to do. People or teams are doing it nowadays to make sure that no one shoots under the wall, and of course, you had Zinchenko lying prone uh, behind the wall. And uh, Ray Diaz just uh, turned around and uh, put out one of those <laughs> giant hands and just uh, Drag you him. know, I, I just pulled him along. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know whether he got him by the neck or by the forearm, by but the it was neck. just uh, so funny.
2: Oh, it was so funny. And then obviously, someone puts the meme out of a draft excluder, you know, that <laughs> uh, thing on next to the door and puts um, uh, Zinchenko's head up, uh, on, on one of them. I mean, it was. It, after the game, there's a lot of memes going about, a lot of uh, fun, a lot of banter. It was, it was excellent stuff. Yeah, we picked him up and dragged him along. And you, you see stones looking at him. What's going on here? Um, right. So funny thing, actually, the, the commentators always say, because the, the players look the other way. They look, um, towards the goalkeeper. So they don't, if, if the ball is hit, is hit along the floor, they won't see it coming. And they say, well, why don't they look at the ball? They don't look at the ball because there's a chance you'll flinch if you see the ball coming and and it's going to hit you in the face. You might flinch or cut, curl up into a ball, or something, or you know maybe even put your hands up in front of your face and give a penalty. You're better off not knowing what's going to hit you and looking the other way. Mm-hmm.
0: That's exactly right. And um, I don't know if you guys thought that there were any other um, moments of of interest uh, as the uh, the game. Um, Drifted towards its conclusion. I'm noticing here uh, on on the Guardian, it it said that pretty much after that Liverpool were passing the ball around, tr- tr- trying to you know get the game over with and get down the tunnel um, because the game certainly was up. And uh, it's very very uh, easy for so many people to pick out uh, Foden as the man of the match, Colin. But there was certainly a, a little bit of competition anyway from. Um, Ilkay Gundogan.
1: Yeah, um, I, I didn't think Gundogan had a particularly great first half. He was misplacing a lot passes, passes, but uh, you kind of expect that, Anfield. I, I um, thought Rodri had an excellent game, you know, quietly yeah. mopping up um, because we always fear Rodri under that sort of press. But, um, you know, he coped with it fine and he did a great job.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's um, talk about uh, individuals, uh, Ray. Um Obviously, we've we've talked about Foden quite a good deal and uh, we've just mentioned Gundogan, especially for the mentality involved in, in coming back from his penalty miss and obviously Colin mentioned uh, Rodri there. Anyone else you want to
2: give a shout-out to? Um, um,
0: we, we've we've talked a little bit I'm about... Zinchenko. Uh, I,
2: I, yeah. Yes, I think Zinchenko struggled a little bit with Trent Alexander-Arnold, but most, most defenders would. Uh, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold... Is basically a winger. He's got pace. He's got trickery. He's got a good cross on him. And that early cross to Mane was from Trent, uh, twisting uh, Zinchenko one way and then going the other way on his outside. Um, but I think he, he caught well. And when I've said many times, when City play well, you won't, you won't have much of a problem with Zinchenko. It's when we're under pressure uh, for long periods. And I, I worry a little bit about his defensive capabilities. Um, I think Cancelo played a decent game. Stones. I want to mention Stones because, once again, apart from, you know, I mean, Liverpool, they've they've only got half chances, Now I'm not a big fan of expected goals, but I I did look at the expected goals after this game. That Mane chance had an expected goal of 0.08. So what they're saying is, if he's in that position 12 times, he'll score once. So it wasn't a massive thing. You know, most of Liverpool's expected goals from that game came from the penalty which is about 0.8 of an expected goal. City expected goals were, uh, I think, over three. So um, I think, once again, Stones and Diaz played well. I I just love the way John Stones brings the ball out. I I don't think this season I've seen him make an error bringing the ball out. Uh, And what he does so well, he notices the opportunity, the chance where the, the... uh, attackers have given too much space and he just goes through a gap and there's one moment in that game he went past four people he didn't have to dribble past them; he just went through the gap that was there and they don't expect this from a defender it's very rare that you see a defender have, have that composure uh, to, to be able to do that and he ended up pass, uh, getting quite deep into the Liverpool half and then uh, putting the ball out onto the wing for whoever was on the wing, then jogging back into his position. Um, you know, and, and it's actually interesting to note that uh, apparently it's been reported uh, today that City will open contract negotiations with him this summer in recognition of his role uh, this season and how well he's played. So uh, I, I think he deserves it for a guy who. You know, if you remember at the start of the season, we were, it was potential. There was rumoured that he was going to go to Spurs for £20 million. On loan for the season, with an obligation to buy for £20 million. And the only reason he turned it down is because his family live in the north. He's uh, from Barnsley, a uh, northern town. Uh, he played at Everton and at City. So he's always been in the north. And that's why he turned the move down to uh, to, to Spurs. Um he's just... Fantastic. I'm, I'm really chuffed for him this season and how well he's been playing.
0: Yeah, uh, we've really benefited from that decision. Now, one, the, the thing I want to move on to next, uh, guys, I'm going to um, aim this one at Colin. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Mr Klopp because there was an absolutely fascinating statement that he made after this game. Now, of course, uh, people will be aware that in advance of the game, <clears throat> obviously uh, Klopp had come out with the ridiculous uh, comments that City had had two weeks off because of COVID, and that's why their their exceptional run can be explained. And uh, of course, that it wasn't too long after that that the Liverpool press office uh, got on the case to try to clarify that he actually meant uh, two days, not two <laughs> weeks. But I I don't think that um, of course two days was exactly what. Um, you know, City uh, got in terms of uh, time off because they missed two days of training. But um, it was very disingenuous. They tried to say that um, he actually meant two days when he said two weeks. But listen, let me just read this to you guys. This is this, one of the statements. There were many. One of the statements, Colin Savage, that Klopp said after the game, he said, t- speaking about his own team, he said, tonight I saw a very confident team, if I'm honest, I like the football we played. It's very difficult to explain that we lost 4-1. What do you think, Colin?
1: Uh, I, I think it's rather like Alex Ferguson's comments after the sixth one, where he kind of claimed, more or less claimed, that they battered us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Ray, is, is is the clock cracking up?
2: Because he's t- he's really yes. getting stuck into these reporters. He's been doing it again and again and again. There was a reporter, don't know where he was from. He asked a question, and Klopp just lays into them. He just lays into them, and he said, "You wasted your question. You, in fact, you've had you've asked me two questions in in one, uh, and, and it's it's just disrespectful. It's rude. It's arrogant. You know, he, you know, and, and he's, he's throwing his uh, toys at the pram and all that. It, it's just ridiculous. And you know, the guy, the thing is, when he's winning. When he's winning, he's he's a great guy and all this and that. And when he's losing, uh, he, he's absolutely horrid. Um, I don't understand why he does it to to to, to reporters. Um, and, the, and the the stuff he, he just makes up. You know the stuff he makes up. He's absolutely suited to Liverpool and their fans because the drivel that comes on after afterwards, we hear that. And I'll go through some of them. No fans. You know, uh, we hear that one of the... I can't remember which reporter it was. Was, was it The Athletic that said... That
1: uh, yeah, the, it was someone from The Athletic. It was a girl from The Athletic. And I'd never oh, yeah, heard yeah, of yeah. her before. because James, James uh, Pearce? But James Pierce is James the Pierce? usual suspect. And, and, and Pearce, you know, The Athletic, they've got people like Danny Taylor, you know, who's, you know, gone up the ranks from local paper to The Guardian. Adam Crafton, the Mail. Um, uh, Ollie Kay, The Times, uh, and they have got James Pierce, who ever only ever worked at The Echo. Uh, but where, let's be honest, the reporting on Liverpool Football Club is not desperately objective. <laughs> I, I, and I saw this tweet from um, this girl. She had a, a, an Irish-sounding name, although she was probably from Head, <laughs> That um, it was unfair that Liverpool hadn't had fans, and other teams were better able to cope with this. And yes, someone mentioned she was on the Athletic, it. and I thought, no, surely not. And, and I checked up, and she was. And, and when you checked her bio, she, she'd trained as a, or started training as a teacher, given that up, gone to take a certificate, journalism certificate, college. Somehow got work with the Anfield crap and the Echo. And, and two years later, she's writing for the Athletic. And, and I if know. I was someone like you know, Ollie Kay, Adam Crafton, Jack Pitt Brook, Danny Taylor, all the other. Great writers they've got there. I'd, I'd be cringing. I'd have my head in my hands thinking, you know, you're bringing me down by doing <laughs> stuff like that. And I it's do. almost as though there are two versions of The Athletic. Or, which I tweeted, there should be two versions of The Athletic. One, you know, uh, for Liverpool fans where they publish pages and pages, reams of this hagiographic, you know, sycophantic, b- removed from reality crap. And another for the people who actually want to read intelligent comment on football
2: I, I do remember that, that 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 tweet now from the woman because I remember I, I said I, I, I commented something like how bad is he for doing that and someone had to tell me it was a woman uh and I, I didn't make an obvious joke about about that um about, about her looking at the picture and I couldn't tell the difference I didn't make that obvious joke but the thing was they complained about the fans not being there, and that that was the reason. And it's like, hang on, when you were finishing eighth in the league, you had your fans there. You know, if you look at the last seven or eight years, you had, uh, uh, you know, sixth, fourth, fourth, eighth, you had a seventh. You had fans there. at uh, Anfield, and you were finishing that low down the table. So what's what's changed? You know, and it's all these little digs to say, "Oh, City are better able to cope because we don't have any fans." I mean, it gets so boring. Um, trying to have a discussion with the you know, trying to be polite to Liverpool fans there's one fellow I think he's on the telly um, and I was chatting with him um, I think he does a fishing programme
1: <laughs>
2: um, and he you know we were talking about um he he basically put out the, that old line, the old trope of City, you know, empty stadiums and all that. We can, so we can tell with our naked eye that it's empty. And I, I go back to the the figures where it shows the tickets sold at City, okay, compared to the capacity at City, the percentage is higher at Man City, not by much, but it's higher at City than it is at Liverpool. And the season that Liverpool were challenging, the, our formidable season, the season they were challenging for the league title, their their. Um, seat sold compared to capacity actually dropped by half a percent so they're, the first time they're challenging in ages and they're not even filling the ground so yes you can say people always say well, we can tell with our naked eye that it's different I said look half, half the time it's deluded fan which is um, you know 10 minutes before the start of a game or City are winning 4-0 5 minutes before the end of an evening game fans are leaving because you know if the game's finishing it." Uh, Quarter to 10. Some fans want to go home a bit early. You're taking pictures then. It's ridiculous. Um, And all these things came out. People say, you know, we've got it. The Liverpool fans complaining that Virgil van Dijk, he's the difference. He's the difference. And he's the reason why, you know, they've collapsed this season. But they don't talk about the fact that in the last six games before the lockdown, Liverpool lost four. And I think van Dijk probably played him. All or most, they lost three the seven goals lost to Arsenal, Last lost three. twice to Atletico. Virgil Van Dijk was there when they they lost seven two to Villa, and they were lucky it wasn't ten. So all these excuses just keep coming up, and it's it's just to be honest, it's boring.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Roy Keane would agree with you because he said that they're they are bad champions, which got the Liverpool fans in a froth. He mm. basically said that. Their uh, their attempt to defend their title was just, um, you know, incompetent. Let's move on to uh, some uh, interesting stats and some interesting tweets. I'm just going to give these to you. So uh, just items of interest, guys. Um, so Raheem Sterling won his 21st pe- penalty in the Premier League. That's more than any other player in the history of the competition. Very interesting. And indeed, Sterling is only the third player to score 100 or more goals under uh, uh, Guardiola. Of course, you had Messi on 2-1-1 and Aguero on one twenty. 20 And uh, it's interesting also, one more, uh, since netting his first goal, I think Ray, Ray mentioned this, um, on the 15th of December, Gundawan has scored three more Premier League goals than any other player for a total of nine uh, just going over to some funny tweets that I saw, uh, guys. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this one. This is a little bit unrelated, but um, on this day, nineteen seventy-nine, Trevor Francis becomes the first one million pound footballer, and they've got a picture to back this up. The pictures of uh, Jasper Carrot. <laughs> the similarity is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you only you, you need to do a double take. Here's another one. This is Zach Stephens speaking about Ed- Ederson, and. Um, Talking about Ederson, he would say, I would say that, yeah, he is the best penalty taker at Man City because he kicks so damn hard. There's no way a keeper could react to it. He kicks so hard, so fast, it's insane and nobody knows how he does it. And so that sort of strengthens uh, the case there uh, for that. Um, So, uh, guys, that's pretty much it for uh, this particular game. But there may be other uh, items or comments that uh, the guys might want to make that we haven't made already. Any takers? Or have we have we pretty much exhausted the talking points?
1: I can't think of anything more I want to talk about.
0: Right, I exactly.
1: So. Well, okay. Well, cool, sorry. There is, I mean, there is one thing. Talking about Liverpool is, um, of course, their next uh, game is Leicester at the weekend, and um, interestingly, the teams below them is that they're at Leicester. Although they've actually been decent away from home, Liverpool. All the teams mm-hmm. below them uh, have got very winnable games against teams at or close to the bottom. Indeed. So and They could uh, be well out of the top four on uh, Sunday evening. But here's, Monday, Sunday night. Here's, here's some other interesting
0: things, uh, guys. So um, Liverpool are the first side to lose three straight home matches the season after winning the title. Since Chelsea in March 1956, and uh, they've, they've got 27 points fewer than they did at the same stage last last season. That is the biggest drop by any reigning champions in top flight history, and that sort of uh, backs up what uh, Roy Keane was saying we got some good um, comments here from Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer, um, sticking up for Man City, he said, I've never heard Guardiola moan about the injuries that have sidelined his strikers. Instead, City have just got on with it and their players have risen to the challenge. Um, another interesting uh, one is uh, th- someone made the point that Ray made as well. This is just supporting Ray. As soon as Liverpool won the the league before the end of last season, they became a different team. They were beaten four 0 by Man City and didn't finish the season on a high. So this has been going, you know, on for some time. It's it's not a new thing, um, but um, it, but the there's,
2: thing there's, is, my they never had the fans think They never had fans when they were winning games. You know, after Van Dijk was uh, injured. They, they, you know, okay, they were lucky enough. I think two or three games they had two thousand fans, uh, and they struggled to get them. Um, they, they don't talk about that. Where you had to be a local fan, and they had about a fewer than six thousand applications for those two thousand tickets, or fifteen hundred tickets. I think five hundred went to families and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. They had fewer than six thousand applications uh, for, for those for the ballot, whereas Everton had I think twenty six or twenty seven thousand application so you know the local fans uh, are in are in liverpool are, are definitely blue same in manchester obviously <laughs> yeah but I, like, d- like they were doing well up to mid december they never complained about uh, the fans they never complained about this They never complained about that and suddenly once they, you know once they've been found out which chat was calling about this earlier you know you do you know lots of clubs um with different formations and strategies, you do slowly get found out. A little yeah. bit of people learn how to play against you, uh, and and Klopp h- hasn't changed. He's still doing the same thing again and again and again. And like Pet, he'll have to change unless you know you you play so good that you can just carry on steamrolling.
1: And, and to, be to be fair, play. with Liverpool, they like, they've got away with it because they do because the the pressing works. Uh, we struggle to deal with it, but. You know, people—they—they've dropped off a little bit. Uh, Henderson and Fabinho have dropped back into the back uh, four, and um you know, managers aren't stupid. That they, they work out how to deal with it. It's difficult, but you know, you nullify the fullbacks and you—you and you go long. And it was interesting that we had less possession than Liverpool. Uh, I mm-hmm. think forty forty-four <laughs> to fifty-six percent that they had.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Just a few more items here, uh, guys. I want to
0: mention. I'm just going to issue a correction. That uh, comment that I mentioned earlier about police are still looking in the grassy knoll for whoever shot Salah. I can see how the mistake was made. That was actually made by Prestige Car Repairs, not Prestwich Blue. So that <laughs> explains uh, <laughs> explains that to, uh, little mistake. But here's some more um, little facts. It, this this actually put Guardiola on the longest winning streak of his managerial career because uh, the best he'd managed was 13 with Bayern uh, 2013 to 14 and then 12 again with Bayern in 2015 of course now with City um he's uh, on um 14
1: It, it um, wasn't so, the start uh, the worst of his career the absolutely of the season, yeah
0: uh-huh yeah indeed indeed it's uh, fantastic and, and of course uh, just...
1: uh, if well if we win at Swansea that will be the all-time record for fifteen consecutive wins because we're level with Arsenal and Preston North End from the nineteenth century. Do mm-hmm. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, call?
2: indeed, you indeed. That run of Preston's—they
1: were a great team. Preston, yeah, used to love
0: watching them. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, I really enjoy uh, Roy Keane in these moments. He he really did get stuck in with them um, with sadistic uh, pleasure. He said that. Uh, he, if Liverpool keep playing like this, it'll be another thirty years before they win a, a league title. So I think at least, uh, you know, both United fans and City fans take an um, equal pleasure in in this <laughs> kind of performance, this kind of uh, result. Um, are other people wondering what it would be like next season if you had uh, Phil Foden and um, Lionel Messi in the same team? That's a bit mouth watering prospect, isn't it, Ray? Uh, absolutely. It's just for Messi, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed, because you've got sort of like I remember that Pep made a comment uh, comparing Foden with, with well not comparing him with Messi, but saying he came up with a state a statement saying that he thought he was the most exciting talent that he's ever worked with. He obviously must have, you know, Messi wasn't on his mind at that moment, but imagine those two in the in the same team. Someone else has put up a a a meme here, and they've got Mo Salah's heat map versus Man City, <laughs> and they've got that. the pitch laid out, and they've got they've got the red and the green in the uh, easily recognisable shape of a diver, um, which <laughs> I thought was quite good as well. But uh, yeah, people taking a, a lot of delight in uh, this result, and um, yeah, Colin, it's been a long wait. Two thousand and three. Did you think at that time that, that this was going to be how long, 18 years before we would do it again?
1: No, nope. no, 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 not at uh, all. Sure.
0: Absolutely, okay. Well, uh, next up, guys, is uh, Swansea. And um, while I was making a cup of tea at, uh, just before we started the pod, I overheard you guys uh, talking um about that that prospect, Ray, and uh, Swansea are in pretty good form.
2: Swans are in cracking form. They haven't lost a game, if I'm correct, since the 16th of uh, around the 6 uh, I'm just try, I'm just going to check the date it's since sometime in december um just looking at some of their last few games um the last few games just just rattled some numbers out um uh, stick this out looking at the wrong one now but i think it was about the 16th or 18th of december they haven't lost uh, they're in cracking form uh, at the moment they're third in um, in the championship and They beat Norwich, with the leaders, 2-0 on Friday. Uh, prior to that, they'd uh, beaten Rotherham, 3-1 away. Prior to that, Brentford, who were a very good side, who were actually in second. They drew with them one all, uh, and the, and Swansea had 10, 10 men. Prior to that, they beat Forest, 5-1 in the FA Cup. They'd beaten Barnsley um, before that. They'd beaten Stevenage before that in the FA Cup. They'd beaten Watford, another decent side, before that in the league. Uh, they'd drawn with uh, Reading. They'd beaten QPR away from home. They'd beaten Barnsley at home. Um, and it's yeah, 16th of December was their last loss uh, against um, Derby County.
1: Derby County, yeah.
2: Yeah, and they've had a fair few clean sheets as well. Um, they're scoring goals. They're looking good. It's uh, certainly not going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be interesting to see who Pep picks. But I think this this could, you know. I think Swansea will pause as more trouble than Liverpool.
0: Mm. Yeah, they're they they're absolutely in cracking form and so that it would be very interesting to see what kind of lineup that Pep puts uh, out there. Um yeah guys uh, just uh, indulge me in a few more um uh, fun facts. Uh it, this one might amuse you Colin. Um the last time Liverpool lost three successive top flight home games, Roy Hodgson was a youth player with Crystal Palace. <laughs> no, <And they>, uh, <laughs> 63, was wasn't it? Yeah. He was six, 16 at the time. And uh, yeah. the, the only one that we haven't um, really mentioned, I think, so far, and I think we really do need to mention it, is that uh, Man City have now equaled the all time winning run by an English top flight side across all competitions with those 14 matches, the same number as Preston in 1892 and Arsenal in 1987. So that's uh, amazing. I'm just going to go over to Ray because uh, obviously Ray uh, is interested uh, much more so, I think, than Colin in transfer speculation. Of course, everyone's hoping we're going to land Messi and uh, and Holland um, uh, next season. But apparently you're wrong, Ray, because... If reports are to believed, City are interested in buying Danny Ings or Romelu Lukaku. What do you think about that?
2: Uh, um,
0: (laughs) You can just hear the sigh of despair, can't you? I'm I'm,
2: I'm, I'm tempted just to say if we buy Danny Danny Ings, I'll show him the backside at at, uh, at the Etihad next season. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to go that far. but. I, I, no, I, I just don't, I don't see the Danny Ings. He's done well, but he's 28 years old. Is he really the kind of player we're going to get? Yes, he's got experience in the Premier League. He knows what it's about. He's had a few injuries though. But at 28, I ask again, Southampton won't let him go on the cheap. he would be at least 60, 70 million. It, it, you know, even if he's 60 million, is that the kind of player we want? I don't think so. Lukaku, he's done alright. You could argue at Inter um you know and a few people you know i when i saw this I, I joked about it and a few decent commentators came back and said well actually he's doing all right over there uh and then i watched a, a bit of a game at the weekend or, or saw some highlights um uh, one of his players had a shot or something and uh, Lukaku who was about 3 yards offside stopped the ball going in because it hit him on the head so um i, I, I don't buy that either um for me uh, there's, there's lots of rubbish in the papers i, I saw some Absolute trash about Messi, about City. Are going to City? Apparently, according to not warm paper. They're going to decide in March or April about Messi. Not behave. They've decided. You know that's already done and dusted. Whatever's going to happen with Messi. Um, also, reading that, we're not going to go for Lautaro Martinez because he's going to sign a new contract at Inter, uh, simply because. Uh, and it's an interesting story that Barcelona are skint. So Barcelona are skint. They can't buy Lautaro Martinez. Um, and Barcelona. And another interesting aside is that Messi's contract, his uh, last contract, was leaked um, by somebody in Barcelona, and he was getting was it five hundred and fifty-five million euros over four seasons, including all his bonuses. And it's basically been leaked to to, to badmouth Messi <laughs> to to make it look like all the problems, all the problems in Barcelona due to Messi, because Messi's leaving. So, you know, rather than send him off with the fanfare and say, you know, you were gr- this is what they should have done last summer and say, you were fantastic for us. You know, it's been a great 20 years or whatever. Uh, thank you for everything you've done. They, they're just dragging him his name through the mud. Um, so it, it, I think it's it's what they're doing with Messi is absolutely horrible, blaming him for the crisis, that they're in a billion euros or nearly a billion euros in debt, cannot afford, they could not afford to buy the players they wanted last summer. They couldn't even afford to buy them this January. Memphis Depay, the rumour was, he's got six months left on his contract with Lyon, that Lyon might accept 5 million euros. Barcelona, could, Barcelona couldn't do that, offer that much money. City, I think, would, would have been tempted to let Eric Garcia go. Barcelona couldn't offer the money five or six million euros to buy Garcia. And it looks like in the summer they're going to get Garcia, maybe Ginny Wijnaldum from Liverpool and Memphis Depay on freeze. you got Eric Garcia saying, I'm going to, I'm prepared to play for free. So to help you get, get this deal sorted out. Yeah,
0: it really it's went down well with the city fans, that one, didn't it? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. And it, it was a, good observation rate in fact it's quite funny real madrid are not that far behind in debt because apparently they're 900 million in the hole so uh, both of those teams in in big financial trouble but um guys we've been going for um two hours over two over two hours now so i think um we should uh, make our final comments if there are are any uh so guys are there, are there any um burning issues that you that you you guys want? uh want to finish off with i'm thinking for all of the people who want to go for a maybe a couple of hours uh, walk um or do some exercise and need something quite long uh to keep them occupied but um that's uh that's all i've got um anything final from you guys any final comments
1: um no i mean nothing else just looking forward to the swansea game and yep. um it will be a tough one But if we get through it. Um, yeah, tell you what you narrow, can do
0: a second treble. I'll tell you what you can do guys you can help me out of the for the of for the title of this uh this pod we've got a few suggestions um the obvious one was um this means four which was the dig that uh, the city oh, yeah. website uh, took um taking the mickey out of uh, Liverpool's slogan or i was thinking maybe cold feet you can have um, you can
2: have alice alice in Blunderland.
0: alice in um, Blunderland. you're sport spoiled for choice there i'll have to have
2: make three it three musketeers all for one and <laughs> one for all
0: <laughs> absolutely well i'll i'll, I'll I, th- I think we better leave it here guys because we could we're we're really really stretching it um for the duration um unlike unlike liverpool but um, vastly vastly enjoyable very very gratifying and um uh, i hope uh, You've stayed with us and you've enjoyed it, guys. Um, so let's uh, just uh, finish off by thanking these great contribu- uh, contributions by our two regular members. So let's we'll start off with uh, Colin Savage. Colin, um, thank you very much. And did you watch the Super Bowl?
1: Uh, I watched part of it, yeah. Um, but it was uh, Kansas City Chiefs, unfortunately, gave the Glazers something to celebrate at the weekend. Yeah, yeah.
0: After
1: their other team had somewhat miserably um, and again they should have won to be honest but um, right. yeah it was obvious that the Kansas City Chiefs a bit like Liverpool never really uh, turned up to the game so um, very quite surprising actually Tampa Bay Buccaneers very strong mm-hmm. defensively
0: indeed reminds us of the a team great, that we uh, know yeah,
1: the great Tom so, Brady uh, yeah so anyway thank you so much for coming on Colin oh, it's always a pleasure but isn't it a particular pleasure after what we've just seen. Final comments
0: and uh, gratitude to Ray. Thank you so much, Ray.
2: Oh, it's been fantastic, guys. Always, you know, it's it's, it's a funny old thing. You know, during the 2000s, I was questioning when we were ever going to win again at, at Liverpool, especially when we have people like Stuart Pearce as manager. Um, but it's really gratifying. And I just hope we can do it next season as well, with their fans there, to really ram it down their throats.
0: Fantastic, guys. We'll get this edited and out to you as soon as possible. Uh, Thank you for uh, being with us uh, to to discuss this um, historic game. And so we'll be back with you again after Swansea, uh, hopefully. And uh, we'll finish off in the normal way by saying, do have one on us and up the blues.